0: Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez, Buddy, and Killingbird. Everybody welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Killing Bird and Ron Fez buddy here with you. How's it going, Diego? I'm good,
1: bud. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. Just uh excited for the show today and uh busy. Everything things are crazy at TPE. Things are crazy <laughs> at TPE. Got a lot of stuff going on, but, but it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. So yeah, looking forward to uh to having Chris on today, one of our new pros, Chris Moon. Should be a fun conversation. Yeah,
1: I like his um I really like his videos cuz they are very thoughtful and range exploratory um and he considers a lot of different options so i love those kind of videos and those kind of pros so i'm excited to have him on talking about hands yeah
0: yeah i know we're gonna go over uh actually a couple of hands that you played up at the uh up at the borgata we both ran up there for a trip yeah which was uh which was fun it wasn't completely successful on the poker front but it's always good to go up there especially because we always seem to just get a good crowd of people to hang out with and uh yeah it
1: was i mean it was awesome um you know, I'll always mention to TPE members, if if we're going to be at a series and, you know, you have any inkling that you want to go, come out. Because it's it, – it, whenever we go, there's so, you know, it's usually a couple of TPE members. We usually get together for drinks. Um, and just having that as part of sort of the poker experience I think is one of my favorite things about going to these live events. I wouldn't have it nearly as much fun if it wasn't that, you know, there's always a couple of familiar faces at each stop. So, you know, yeah. just feel free to if you're going to go. And, and a couple of members did that that I had never met before. Um, they hit us up, and we all met, had drinks, and it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's always a good time. And it was uh, fun. We got to hang
1: out a little bit with Lee Childs while we were yeah. up there. It's always good to see Lee. Good to see him. He had a, he had a big final table.
0: Yeah, he seemed to, uh, he seemed to go deep in everything. Yeah. Like It just seemed like every event he was playing, it was always kind of like he would kind of start out sort of slow, but then all of a sudden he would get a double, and then he would just start building from yeah. there. He's and, playing you know, ri- it seemed he's, like he was always
1: deep. He's playing really well. I think Lee, Lee has a real talent for understanding tournament game dynamics the dynamics of it yeah. and just you know being able to you know I won't call him a nit um I'll, but I'll call him that he really understands tournament life and just how you know the proper amount of variance to bring into your game and that's what I've gotten from talking poker with him a lot
0: <laughs> It's funny you say that cuz I was thinking the exact same thing today cuz he had posted a hand and I don't know the details of the hand but he said it was a boat under boat uh-huh. so you know it could have been like Five five four four board, and he had ace four, and he just called or whatever, right. you know, whatever. But there was another hand maybe five days ago
1: where he said flush under flush, right. and I'm just thinking he never goes break, broke on these no. hands. No, he, he, <laughs> he, he, yes, that's it. He's very good at not going broke, and then all of a sudden you'll see him riding a twenty big blind stack forever, and then all of a sudden he has like sixty. So he yeah. Yeah, he's really good at, at at understanding the the game flow. Um, yeah, I need to. Uh, we, we were we were enjoying.
0: Um, alcoholic beverages when we were hanging out with Lee. So we didn't talk a whole lot of like poker strategy or anything. But one of these days we'll have to get Lee on and maybe talk about that yeah, exact exactly. We should we
1: gotta get him on. Let's try to get him on a future podcast. I, I love talking yeah, like sure. poker with him. Yeah, but uh, fun yep. fun series. Good seeing you. So what did you think of the Coney Island Lager? I
0: thought it was excellent. Yeah. I actually um I'm I was actually gonna bring it up to um there's a really good craft beer story here that I that I shopping at where I buy most of my beers and I was actually going to bring it up to the guy to see if he could somehow get it down here yeah
1: it's good stuff man I really it's like my favorite beer now
0: yeah it was it was definitely very good and I'm not usually a huge lager guy but it yeah. just it just had a lot more flavor and it was a little bit seemed like it was a little higher alcohol content yeah. than most lagers yeah. Um, so yeah I definitely enjoyed it good
1: yeah, yeah so. definitely glad yeah so how was so you know we both really you know, I, I played Vents 135 um, didn't get anywhere um what about you what did you play again which
0: tournament um i just played one and three um and one was the only one that i really made any kind of run in and, and that wasn't even that deep i think i think i busted before dinner or something um and just it was one of those ones where I just like never and i think we kind of when we saw each other on breaks it was always like just not getting anything going. Yep, just nothing getting, going nothing going yeah like you know you'd open and then you'd miss the flop and then you'd bet and you'd have to fold or whatever, you know, <clears throat> just one of those kind of tournaments where you're just kind of constantly like sitting around the same exact chip stack or down or whatever. And, right. and I was kind of feeling like that. And then I actually um, just sort of half jokingly, I tweeted out and said that, that, uh, that if I got to a thousand followers, cause I think I was like nine seventy five or something. So if I got to a thousand followers, I'd give somebody, one of my followers, 1% of my actual tournament. And the next thing I know I went on like sort of a little mini heater
2: uh-huh. <laughs> and all of a sudden I had
0: like 60 bigs or something. Um, but then I had a hand that kind of went awry where i uh, I think I flatted King Jack and the flop came ace king X mm-hmm. uh called a bat on the flop, check check turn, and then made two pair on the river, and he had made Broadway oh, that's the worst, yeah, and lost a pretty big chunk of my stack and then um and then my bust out hand, which i I think I tweeted, but um I forget the exact action, but basically I got it in ace five of spades on a king. Jack Ten. I believe that was the board. King Jack Ten two spade board.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um you know, where I just felt like I had so much equity in the yeah. hand to it. Yeah. Like I, I think I see bet,
1: guy raised, guy three bet. Or I'm sorry, four bet. And I just shift because there's so much. Yeah, money yeah, it. so much I mean and you know, and if you hit the spade you're winning. It's not like you're gonna be, you know, counterfeited there right. dominated. So yeah, no, I no, don't blame me. Yeah, I mean that's the frustrating thing about these these series is that I played three events. And I was so ready going by the end of the third event, but that's when I had to pack up and go home. You know? Right. And that's what stinks about this, you know, these short series and, and just, you know, playing randomly, but still had yeah, a great
0: definitely time. Definitely envious of everybody who, like, to this day is still there tweeting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel
1: like I've been back and some people are still there, like in the main. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> tough though because I don't know if I could handle being there that long, like you know, away from the family and just you know being in the hotel the whole time. Um, right. I, I I think Lee once again has it has it right. He went home for a couple of days and then he went back. But of course, being on the East Coast, that's something we could do, if you know, that. So yeah. you know, I think that's probably my strategy for the next one that we go to because I feel like I'm you know getting right in the zone when I have to go, you know.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the, the big difference between, like, even that short of a trip for me, which I guess was three days or four days. Um, like, I'm pretty much ready to go home, but, I, you know, Vegas I can go to for six weeks and not – I mean, there's certainly a point where I miss my family and things like that. But it's not like, oh, my God, I have to get out of Vegas right right. Now. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, living in the hotel and living in a house is so much different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I can't imagine – being in a hotel for six weeks that, well, I'm, a lot of people obviously do it at the Rio every summer, yeah. so yeah yeah I'm more power to them, I guess so. um, cool all right well uh, let's uh, let's get the pros in here and talk a little bit of strategy. Yeah,
1: ready to talk about these hands. I'm interested to see if um, I could have done anything differently or if they had different or if my lines were okay I think there I think there are a couple of hands, and, and you know we'll get into it when we get into the with the pros, but I, I feel like there are a couple of hands where I'm not sure the variance is taking on the variance. I feel like I'm 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 taking the right lines, but you know, is this the right amount of variance for a live tournament? A tournament where I have you know tech, theoretically I should have a, a and I believe I have an edge over the you know the remain the players in the field. Um, you know, is this is this right? Um, is this right to take this line? Even though I do believe it's chippy E V. So I'm right. um, curious to see what the pros have to say about that, yeah. Especially in context yeah. of live, since that's you know, I, I mean, I find I, I love I love playing live. I I, I do love playing live. Um, it, it's just you know, like you said, you can only play one at a time. Um, right. so, so, but, th- but these kind of hands are definitely, um, I think, important to understand in context of live, where where the variance is, plays out over a, a, a you know longer stretch. So. Yeah, agreed. Definitely. So,
0: cool. cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back with Chris Moon and Sean Hendrickson here on the TPE podcast. If you are looking for the best MTG training
3: site on the planet, look no further than TournamentPokerEdge.com. Tournament Poker Edge focuses exclusively on multi-table tournaments and features some of the best live and online
0: pros. No waiting for cash game videos looking for the occasional tournament video. Tournament
3: Poker Edge also offers strategy articles, forums, a member chat room, and much more. So visit TournamentPokerEdge.com and start taking your game to the next level now.
0: Everybody, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in our pros for today's strategy segment. Sean Henrikson and Chris Moon. What's up, guys? How you doing? Into the
4: gangbang.
1: Whoa! <laughs> wow! No? What, wrong place? Wrong call. Wrong call. <laughs> oh, shit! Wrong Skype. Sean always happens. I, say, I came into the wrong Skype channel.
0: <laughs> this is a.
1: Uh, this is Yahoo
0: Chat or AIM Chat. Oh. Or... All
2: uh, right. Yeah. See you guys later. <laughs> awkward moment. So, uh, on the podcast. Sean, always
0: good to have you here, but let's focus on uh, the important person on the
4: call. It's not, about- <laughs>
0: it's
4: not all about you. You guys lied to so- me again about this podcast.
0: <laughs> so Chris, this is the first time you've been on the call, and, uh, and your, your premier series on TPE just started, so uh, we want to welcome you, first of all, to the TPE family, and secondly, welcome to the uh, Tournament Poker Edge podcast.
5: Well, thank you, and thank you.
0: Um, how are you finding it so far? Are you enjoying your stay <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah i uh I like everything. i like everything uh so far on the site um been trying as best I can to like get on the forums in between like all the other shit that I'm doing with my life so far but uh yeah, I like the content I like you know the people i'm I'm in that um TPE Skype conversation, but I kind of just drown. Every time I turn it on, it's like 2,000. Like right now, it's ringing at me. I got like 2,500 messages to read. Uh, oh. I kind of just see that and just <laughs> glaze right over and decide I'm not going <laughs> to. But everything else has been cool so far, yeah. Awesome. Cool.
0: Um, so let's talk a little bit uh, before we get into the strategy talk about uh, your history and your past. How, you know, the, the, the obligatory, how did you get into poker, and then how did you sort of become a professional?
5: The obligatory how did I get into poker was, um, like, the classic everyone else says, Like, we watched it on TV as kids. You know, I think I was, like, 14 when Moneymaker won. And then and throughout high school, we'd play in, like, um, basement home games. And, uh, you know, I kind of noticed, like, if the buy-in was, like, $10, for the cost of a movie, I could go and play poker for just as long and have the chance to come home with more money than I did.
2: Yeah, right.
5: And, um, I think... I, what turned me on to poker the most was for like the first time in my life I could like read a book and apply it and instantly see results whereas if I did algebra or calculus for a year at the end of it I still had no idea what I was doing but whereas everything else you know with poker I felt like it like instantly applied so how did I get into being a pro um, I played throughout college while I was at Michigan State and I always made finishing Michigan State a priority but There was a time where I just like found myself making like way much way more money than I was doing like with anything in real jobs and I think it kinda just once I graduated I just never really started looking for work. I think that's kinda I never really like you know, it's not like being an athlete where you declare yourself a pro and no longer I can go to the Olympics. It was kind of I just never started looking for work, I think. So Yeah, the date I I chose to go pro is the day I graduated college.
0: And uh, as you know, we, we have almost sort of kind of a connection in that we're both from Michigan. So I'm curious kind of to know a little bit about how the poker scene has gotten there, because when I lived there, there was no poker scene. So,
5: <laughs> Yeah, that's actually kind of one thing that's kind of serendipitous about, you know, what made me become decide to become a pro is, you know, I went, to, I went away to school in East Lansing. I'm originally from Sterling Heights, and I went away to school in East Lansing, and then I got people calling me and, like, sending me emails like, have you heard about Sunnybrook? And it's like a charity poker room. It was like a golf course turned charity poker room around our house. And mm. at the time, it was just like the biggest thing. Like, can you believe it? We could play one-two any time of the day that we want. You know, that was like <laughs> a big deal. When I was like 17 years old, I could play one-two at any time I wanted to. So, like, everyone came back and the games then were just like so easy. And everyone was still like... Um, so excited that they didn't have to drive hours to, like, the Soaring Eagle Casino or back then. I don't even think there was the Motor City Casino yet. So, like, it just blew up right there, and I think that's kind of what – that's what the scene is now. It's a lot of charity rooms that are competing with one another, and then – How the, do the charity rooms work? I have never played in a charity room. Does, like, yeah, the rake the, – the, the charity rake? rooms are um, governed by the Lottery Commission, and um, there's a lot of, like, really – um there's a lot of specifics that i don't know but as far as i know the model is half the rate goes toward a charity like a charity will send in representatives that will help out with like the day-to-day um like taking chips and giving them to people or taking money and accounting and stuff like that and okay. then they get 50 percent of the rake and the um house gets the other 50 percent.
1: is the rake higher because of the charity's presence or is it just yeah what's well, like never- the rake uh- at one too
5: No, it's competitive with what a casino would charge for a rake. I think here it's, you know, like $5 or $6. And, like, they're not allowed to have a bad beat jackpot. So, like, at the casinos downtown in Detroit, like, a typical 1-2 rake would probably be, like, $8 a hand because they take two for the jackpots. So it would be, like, I think at the charity places it's, like, $5 rake or whatever. Like, it's pretty comparable in terms of what you would expect at a casino, I feel like.
1: That's cool. That's cool. So, Chris, how would you classify your game? If someone had to ask you, like, what style you play, um, you know, do you have a style, or 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 you, or how you know, how do you generally answer that question?
5: Every time I get this question, I just say that my style is whatever I'm allowed to get away with at a table. <laughs> so, if my table is a lot of novices who are just going to sit back and just like let me dictate the flow and how things are going to go, then I'm more than happy to take that seat. But if I'm sitting at a table with a lot of you know aggressive players, I'm I'm never really going to try and be the one to be um, butting heads with every single person at the table. Like after a while, that just gets counterproductive. Right. So I, I guess in short, my style is just whatever I'm allowed to get away with is whatever I'm going to try and pursue. Um,
1: and so would you consider yourself more of like a math player or, you know, do you, do you spend a lot time ranging people? Like when you sit down and, and think through a hand, what's sort of the thought process that, that you go through?
5: After after the fact, I would say um, I do some substantial, you know, math and some range analysis, but in terms of, like, I've kind of transitioned away from being a live cash, you know, feel player. That's how I came up. I think everyone who came up on Super System didn't know a ton of math, but they knew, you know, the feel of how they should play some hands based on given situations, but Definitely as i transitioned more into online the last you know, five or six years, it became more of like a math thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, I think the biggest transition in my game, too, was uh, last year. I said, you know, after I graduated college, the, I just never looked for work. Well, like the first day after I graduated college, I jumped on a plane and went to England, and I got coaching from um, David Randall, which uh, mm-hmm. is 222, and uh, Niall Farrell, um, for the 87.
4: Mm-hmm. I used to talk to malicious was a bit
5: of online? Yeah, so I think that was actually, like, the biggest deal. You know, it there was some math involved and there was some feel involved, but there was also just, like, it kind of, they took my brain and they pulled out the way I thought about the game. Because when I went there, my my attitude was, you know, I could use a few tinkers here and there, and it would probably be good, you know, plug, like, a leak or two in my game. But what they did is they just took my brain, like, took it out. Mm-hmm. reassembled everything I knew or thought I knew about the game and then like put it back in and I came back like a completely different player. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's
2: interesting.
0: It's kind of similar to what, the to Danny M13 story where he kind of played and played and played and then he went off and did some coaching and became a changed man afterwards.
1: Yeah.
5: I mean, like I was definitely a winning player before just cause you know, games were that soft and that easy in the stakes I was playing, but yeah, like when I when I went there and I got the, I learned the things that I did I came back and was just like I looked at some of the plays I'd make in hand histories and was like what was I doing <laughs> like how did I think <laughs> a good idea
1: It's like do you have um, any exam- that's actually pretty fascinating. Do you have any example like can you think of anything off the top of your head that well when
5: yeah, I was, was there to, you know they had me um, bring with my laptop a bunch of files of like hand histories that we could look at and I you know part of the process was once a day you'd sit down with one of the three pros that were putting together the camp and just talk about a different hand history and how you would do things differently now. And I would say two-thirds of the hands that I was playing, by the time I was done with the camp, I would look at and I would just be like, okay, I would change everything I did on every single street, basically.
1: (laughs) Right. You know, that that reminds wow. me kind of of Daryl's, Jace's video, the recent one where, you know, the advanced hand history or expert level review where I didn't even know you could look that deeply into a hand. But since I've watched those videos, I, I almost can't even, I can't do more than one hand at a time because I'm trying to do, you know, re-look at the way I look at hands because of that.
5: Yeah, I think after a after time, if you practice that enough, it kind of becomes like... Yeah. Um, some things are unsaid, which is good and bad. But it it comes it comes a lot faster, so you don't have to just do one every time you do a session. Right. I did the yeah. Same thing that you said when I, you know, I started doing my first video series here, and I was like decently happy with it, and I thought, you know, like this is this is finally worthy of turning in. I got it. And then I watched this video, and I was like, everything I've done so far is just so useless. Like, why did I? What did I think I was going to turn in? You know. Right. So, Right. I went back and redid just about everything. Like, okay, I have to have at least one portion of his video in every part of hands that I do. At least <laughs> one, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think you've actually you turned in. Like, I, I, I tweeted about it. This may be another groundbreaking video because I got a kind of the same feel from, from watching your video as, as I did from his. But, um, but it's amazing that most of the people love that video, but there are some people who hate it um, just because it's too detailed. But. What, the, oh, the Daryl J Yeah, right. But, well, that's why you
4: labeled it super, super duper advanced.
1: Right, right. But some people are just bored sitting through that much of a hand. But I feel like you just – if you're not interested in that depth, you, you're not interested in really understanding all the, everything you could do in poker. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to berate or belittle anyone who doesn't like the video because everyone has different tastes. But I just feel like oh, there's oh, so I think, much. I know? think
5: I said it in the comments there. I think it's the benchmark for how you should be looking at hands. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to go back to that tweet. I think if I write a book someday, I'm gonna put that tweet in the back comment section. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I like- be, might be groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> might, be, might be shit. Might be, I don't know. Yeah, I like that.
1: Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You tweeted back, might be. I'll take it.
5: Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I, kind of, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I kind of. I tweeted something the other week about how I think it was. Um, What's his name? Clay Matthews, the linebacker for Green Bay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thursday night game. Clay Matthews was having such a good game, and then the commentator was like. Clay Matthews is going to be NFC Defensive Player of the Week unless someone has a better week <laughs> after him. And I'm like that's how it always works, you dumbass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank to
2: thank
1: ass. You, Captain Obvious. <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: uh, Sounds like something a politician would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing I found interesting, Chris, is that you have a lot of interest outside of of poker. Um, you, I think, of our of our pros, you may have the most diverse sort of um, life or. Interest, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things you do besides play Poker?
5: Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm starting to take the LSAT. Um, not that I'm necessarily going to law school, but uh, someday I'd like to pursue a JD MBA. Right. Um, so I've had a lot of downtime recently with like you know online being kind of in flux, and um, you know, just not having a ton of commitments before. so I started, um, started studying for that. I take that on the sixth of October. So that's actually taking up like a good chunk of my time, um, and then I'm currently revising an uh, economic, uh, labor economics paper that I wrote my senior year. Um, that's kind of taking a lot less time now, just between like the team members not being able to get in the same room anymore um, for various reasons, like school and you know the professor. Unlike the rest of us DJs, like has things that he has to do every day (laughs) in front of a computer and like email people seven hours a day. Um,
2: What's
5: what's the topic of the paper? So the NFL's Rooney Rule. um, It's like a law, or not a law. It's a rule that before a team can hire, uh, make its official selection for its new head coach, one must um, at least interview two minority candidates beforehand. Okay. And actually, um, Derek, our Lions were fined 250k for not abiding by it in 2003 when they hired Mariucci. They just went ah. right away. They're so far the only team that's been fined for it. But so like we did a lot of um, regression analysis for like, does this really change the hiring process? Like, does this make you as a minority head coach more likely to be hired? Right. Actually, um, what we found is there's like a lot of spillover effects where um, not only does it make you more likely to be hired as a head coach in the NFL, but it also makes um, assistant coaches minorities more likely to be um, hired, even though the rule doesn't apply to them, um, as well as like people in front offices um, and things of the like. And it's accelerating more than like the time variable would be, which is kind of like the exciting part of the paper.
1: Is that because there's just more um, opportunity for people to meet? I mean, I, I, obviously you guys put a lot of mathematical work into it, but is is there is there any anything around that as well? Yeah, so like. Reasoning?
5: The the part of the paper is just to present the math and then, you know, give theories for the math but not say, like, anything super definitively because you can't know for sure, you know, is it A causing B or is it B causing C or is it C causing the both of them? But, um, yeah, it seems to be, like, the majority of it is that there's more people interviewing. You're getting more contact with people you wouldn't have interviewed otherwise. It kind of gets rid of, like, the old guard where you just recycle the same four coach candidates every single time that there's an opening. Right. Um, and then it's just, I think it's just more of like, um, you know, as time goes on and he's, if there was a person who was like, you know, not so open to hiring a minority over time as he um, meets more and more new people, he's more likely to just kind of let that go, you know? Um, right. Mm-hmm. But the, what we notice too is there's a lot of teams that just have a history of hiring minorities in every aspect all the time. And then there's just some that just never have. You know, so you'll have, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers who, you know, hired minority coaches before, the Indianapolis Colts, and then there's, you know, like, the Dallas Cowboys who, like, almost never have. So, um, you know, I'm speaking from the Cuff, too. It's been a while since I've looked at the uh, progression, but...
2: Uh, well,
1: yeah you you're basically approving exactly what i said yeah i, I don't know a lot of uh, our you know pros <laughs> that will start talking about labor regression and you know <laughs> to this depth so it's pretty interesting that you had you take that that different angle but do, um has have you have you gone back and forth and concentrating on poker because i mean you obviously have to put a lot of time into studying poker so how do you fit all of that into a schedule with all these other interests
5: yeah it does um I, I kind of noticed like the beginning of this year, especially like January, February, March. Uh, I was doing probably stretching myself a little bit too thin, and I wasn't being effective at just about anything. You know, I was I was playing poker, um, I was coaching, I was applying for real work, I was doing this paper, I was trying to study for the LSAT, the the February LSAT I was supposed to take. I kind of just noticed that I am get, I'm killing myself. You know, I can't do it all. So uh, it takes it. It takes its toll, but also I think it 's kind of like a necessary evil too, where if you 're just you know only playing poker all day long and studying poker, and like you can 't like step back and get your head out of poker for a while, yeah. it 's actually like bad for not only you as a person but you as a poker player as well so I um, believe that
1: for all professions really, because you know I find that you know as no secret, I have a day job and, and, and I, you know a lot of my time is taken up by by the work I do in my, in my day job, but I find that you have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> that's putting up with you. Um, wow! <laughs> I, I, I just find something new every time I do one of these, and <laughs> and I have you know I have a couple of employees that work for me, and we have other people. Wait, you have people
4: work. that work for you too? <laughs> what the hell is this world? Yeah. Is?
1: I know it's funny. Sometimes you give people money and they actually do stuff. You should just take a lesson. <laughs> oh. Oh, we went there now.
2: <laughs>
1: you mean besides hookers, right? <laughs> Actually no, that's exactly what I was talking about. All right, all right, let's see where this is going. Yeah, um and I find that the people that, you know, I work with and, and, and work for me the people who have interests outside of or people who have interests outside of the, the work we do. Almost always my best people because they I don't know. There's something about a personality that can take a break from the work, and I think it's comparable to poker here. Hiring? Yes, but you can um, you can you can, don't bother with an application. Where do I send my resume? Oh, uh, I don't know. So you know, basically, the point I'm trying to make without this uh this this irritant in my
2: ear. You invited me. I, that's true. Yeah, I
5: think, uh, you know, poker in general, too, is kind of eclectic when you think about, you know, you could get stuck just playing No Limit Hold'em every day, but you'd miss out on, you know, the fun of learning PLO or, like, knowing all the variants and playing, like, all the mixed games at once, too. So it's kind of like uh, something that spurs interest in poker, I feel like, but it's also something that spurs interest in other things once you get bogged down by playing, you know, too much poker. So.
1: Great. Great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, so let's talk some poker.
0: All right, before we get into the actual strategy poker discussion, I did want to briefly bring this up because I know that, uh, <clears throat> Chris, you and I talked about the fact that this was happening today, the release of the Letterer Files, yeah. the, uh, the long interview with Howard Letterer, which I think there were two parts released today, and I thought we could maybe spend just a couple minutes getting your thoughts on what came out in that today.
5: So far, I don't think anything into earth shatterings really come out. I think anything that I heard so far, although I have – uh, looking at my screen, I have four minutes and 25 seconds left to watch on the last one. But...
4: That's where all the good stuff is. So. Yeah, that, that <laughs> that's where all the
5: new shit comes out. But, yeah. I, you know, I don't think we learn too much new today that would be earth-shattering. I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll read on it on forums afterwards. But the, I, letter, I, the out, still too. a piece of shit,
4: let's be honest.
5: You I know, mean, that's <laughs> one thing, too, that I'm still not even sold that. I mean, I know we want to, like, be really pissed off at somebody because, I mean, Me too, Uh, you know, my money's tied up just like anybody else's, but I don't think that it's necessarily the work of like one person, like a Howard letter or one person. They're all just idiots. No, yeah, I think it is too, but you know, when you hear like Howard letter is a piece of shit and all the things I would do to Howard letter on the forums and stuff, I don't really think it's just it's just him, and I've been trying my best to like watch this with an open mind where, okay, he could be involved in it, or he could be just like a complete bystander who got tied up and everything, you know. I kind of want to let the evidence speak for itself and I don't I you know they just they the, just
4: all made a a long list of very bad business decisions that got them in this predicament they
5: didn't Yeah as much to as I as much as I love the poker community in general as a whole I think this is kind of one spot where we're we're dropping the ball a little bit. I think we want to hate Howard so much before we hear anything that anybody has to say, and we're kind of like pointing fingers because we're upset that all our money's been, you know, from his to
4: Let me preface, I was being sarcastic when I said he's a piece of shit. I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of his right now. Don't necessarily think he's a piece of
5: shit, though. Even if you are being sarcastic, I don't think, like, the general tone within the community is, like, one about, you know, being too accepting about anything he's going to have to say. You know, I, I've seen it on Twitter a lot today where you know, just be prepared. I've seen tweets like, you know, be prepared, you know, Howard's going to say he didn't know, but don't believe a word he says, you know, he has interest. And like, of course he has interest in, you know, making us like him again, but I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily means what he has to say isn't true. You know what I mean?
4: Did you read okay. the Andy Block interview?
5: I did, but it was kind of one of those TLDRs, uh, you know, i I started scrolling. I got like halfway through before I, heard, I was like, holy shit, this things not over yet?
2: You know, I read that, it
5: on my phone, and I think it took me two and a half hours. Yeah, it's it's wow. really long. But it was a lot of the same of what we're hearing about Howard Letter, and I don't think that necessarily makes them wrong. I think it's kind of like a lot of people on the board just really didn't know what the hell was going on on a day-to-day, especially once they
4: They, they all trusted Ray and... To whatever extent, whoever else, to make the decisions that were right, and because if you were getting a paycheck for that amount every single month, are you going to really question yeah. everything that's going on? Yeah, I don't want to money wanna, they were making. I if wanna, I was making that much money, I'd probably just be like, eh, "Yeah, do what you want,
5: as long as the money keeps coming this way." Yeah, I don't want to presume to no know after one hour of interviews. To know everything that was going on there, but from the looks of it so far it just sounds like they put an unqualified businessman to run the company and he did what will probably happen over the long run when you do something like that, you know, he just right. didn't know what he's supposed to be doing and that's kinda of what happens sometimes. And also not to mention like the perfect storm of shit kind of happened all at once to expose the fact that their books weren't solvent anyway, you know. Like yeah.
2: if you're a yeah, bank, they would have
5: gotten away with it otherwise. Yeah, like what are the chances that tomorrow Tomorrow, like, if you're a bank, what are the chances that tomorrow everyone all of a sudden needs all their money all at once? You know, it's not that they're supposed to be operating like a bank at all, but it's just
1: like an analogy where
5: what are the chances? Like, to
2: extent
1: they probably should have been operating as a bank. (laughs) Yeah, neither here nor there. (laughs) Well, but given given the uncertainty in their environment and the fact that they were breaking, you know, laws and they willingly were breaking laws, they probably should have been extra careful about that type of stuff. Well,
4: Well,
1: at the same time, once you start making all that money, it's hard not to be greedy.
4: I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I
0: think I I kind of, um, I like kind of what you said, Chris, about sort of um, how how people maybe should rethink their, I don't know, the way they think about this whole situation. Like the perfect example is a lot of people have always said, why isn't Howard talking? Why isn't he telling us anything? Like it took him this long to come out with an interview, and I was never mad about that at all because – Obviously, you can't talk. Yeah. I
5: don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just gag orders and you know PR people telling you never to do it, and lawyers saying shut your mouth as much as you can. You know, I probably would have done the same exact thing. So. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean,
5: you know, his lawyer just called and said,
0: "Don't say a word ever unless I tell you to say yeah, it." Yeah, I people were mad at him Listen. for that. I
5: mean,
4: it's in his best interest not to say anything until now. Yeah. It was in the company's I, best interest not to say anything until now. I mean, they have a huge lawsuit against the US DOJ. I mean, it ends up working out.
5: We're going to get our money, whether you
4: know however, related to it. We
5: think, how related it's thick. I don't want to get too far off topic, but how do you like that process? Do you know we're going through the same exact process as like victims of drug dealers? That's, that's the surprising. same thing we're doing. If you're, yeah. if you're living under your dad's roof and your dad gets caught dealing drugs and the feds freeze all your assets and you say, um, excuse me, DOJ, I need money to live because otherwise I'm going to go broke and hungry, can I have some of my dad's money back? That's, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> That's the exact <laughs> process. We it's called the remission process. That's what we're going through right now.
4: Yeah, you've probably done more research than I have into it. When do you think we'll actually get the money from I, just the I, gas?
5: I and and uh, so, the
4: uh, I guess.
5: I would hope before Christmas because, like, I got shit I need. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I need some new beats. <laughs> you know, it was kind of plain, Like when I was in, uh, finishing up college, and then everything got frozen. Um, I continued to live in East Lansing afterwards because I didn't want to move back in with my parents. And I've been setting aside seed money where I, even though this is really stupid, I'm setting aside money to like live on my own in East Lansing and just party for a year. <laughs> and so for a while, I was take, you know, trying to make ends meet as I didn't have all this money from stars at the time and then full tilt for the extended amount of time. I would just kind of take money out of that account and say, okay, I'll put that back in when full tilt gets there. Okay, I'll put that back <laughs> in when full tilt gets and then all of a sudden, I just, I'm just like, oh, I have no money anymore. Where did, where did <laughs>
2: money?
5: You know, yeah. this is all supposed to get fixed by my Full Tilt money. Oh, yeah. well, wait, if you have to go 18 months without getting paid your Full Tilt, yeah. now there's nothing to add. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You can't spend, you know, 300 bucks a week at bars and expect to just <laughs> pick it back up off a check that Full Tilt's going to give you at just some point. Still- Live it.
4: Just go live at Howard's house.
1: Yeah, yeah. Why not? Well, at this point, <laughs> at this point, you're not even going to get it from Full Tilt. You're going to get it from the DOJ, and that should be fun to go through. Oh yeah, that process. i <laughs> well, I don't
5: see where that could possibly go wrong. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see what your issue is? Yeah.
0: And ju- just to be clear, I don't want anybody to think that we're defending Full Tilt or Howard Letter or Ray Bittar. If they did something wrong, I hope they go to jail for a very, very long time for it. But I just, I kind of agreed with Chris's idea about how people have approached this whole situation so
2: yeah,
5: I my bottom my moral of the story is just like remain as objective as you possibly can i mean it happens all the time in like politics and things like that where people are already predisposed to be slanted a certain way and i feel like we as a community are already predisposed to like be really pissed off at ray and really pissed off at howard so they must have done something wrong knowingly and like that people, might people would just want people know. want to be mad at somebody which you can't necessarily blame them no, I can't blame them, but if, you know, if, if it skews your objectivity or if it skews your search for the truth, it, it becomes a problem. Agreed. Yeah, well said, well said.
0: All right, well, let's get over the serious stuff and uh, move into some a little more fun stuff and talk a little strategy. Um, Diego, I think you had a couple of hands. We uh, we went up and played the Borgata Poker Open a couple of weeks ago, and I think you got a couple of interesting hands from your session up there, right? Yeah.
1: So, um, so How many final tables do you guys have? Oh, I final tabled... Uh, zero exactly. Oh. exactly. Let me hold on. <laughs> let me count that again. Yeah, zero.
2: Still uh, zero. All right.
1: Still zero. Uh,
0: I never even made it past my first table. I just sat there yeah, at that exactly. table and then I got up and I went to dinner. And <laughs>
1: never went back.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I, uh,
1: we as uh, you know, we as Derek and I were discussing in the first segment, we um, went to the Borgata um for the tournament, the uh, the WPT series that's that's running right now. There, we 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 made it for the first tournament, which was. Five hundred dollar, one million guarantee, which was fantastic. Wow. <laughs> it was an awesome, awesome tournament. Um, Borgata runs the best tournament series. They're just they're so well run, well organized, great structures. Um, they they really mm-hmm. capitalized on the East Coast. Now, I would even say there's like a live poker boom on the East Coast because people just want to play, and there's a lot of people out here who you know who who fit that stake perfectly. 500 bucks is, is something they could do. And they they did two starting days with re entries so they got 3700 people. So it was, you know, they actually crushed the guarantee.
4: The main even got like 1200 people for a 3k. <laughs> yeah.
1: Amazing. Yeah, wow. so so um so we went for the early part of the series and I think I played events 1, 3 and 5. And this is a hand from event 3, which is a $500 bounty. There was no guarantee on this one, so it wasn't it wasn't a huge I think they only, I mean I think they only had 700 people for this one. And it paid sixty three. It was twelve k starting stack, which is actually you know the other. I think the 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 one million guarantee was a thirty k starting stack with pretty much every level in there, right, Derek? Did it did it miss any levels? No, not till late. The
0: early levels were good, but the, we did notice a couple of, like late levels. I forget like twelve hundred, twenty four hundred, or something along those lines was missing but um right. but yeah the early levels were all
1: there and it was a really good structure right but, you know although i would say i could go for one less structure or one less level early in the 1200 2400 to be in there but um, but anyway yeah you know so so that that was like a 30k starting stack this was a 12k starting stack with 40 minutes levels so it moved a little bit faster it was a two day tournament as opposed to a three day tournament so this is a $500 bounty i came to this table it's it, there's about at this point, there's about seventy-five people left, um, seventy-nine people left, and it paid sixty-three, I believe. It paid sixty-three. I had never gotten <clears throat> too too many chips, but I was pretty much came to this table with about an average chip stack. And then um, I lost. I think I lost to a guy who shoved. <laughs> I opened Ace King with like 30, twenty-five big blinds, and this guy shoved on me from the from the, from the big blind, and I was in early position. And so I called him and he had Queen Eight suited. <laughs> so it was like kind of money. Mind- <laughs> well, of course he got there, right? So um it left me with like five big blinds it's and good then man. Yeah, no, i just and, and and it left me with like five big blinds, and then I spent the next four hours. That,
4: was, that really was a sick hidden bad beat you just threw out. <laughs>
1: no, 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 the reason I'm bragging. First of all, I oh no, I know you better than that. You intended this whole time, really? Like, no, no, Let's no. slide this bad beat story yeah. in here real quick. No, <laughs> but the reason for that is that I had then I was I was ninja stacking for four hours from that point. Oh, on. a beat and a brag. <laughs> 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 no, here, here comes the variance. Um, so, so yeah. So, so basically, my image at the table is like the only time I ever played a hand is I like shoving and either I took it down or, or I you know I won a flip and I, I was you know solidly running between ten and twenty big blinds for for literally four hours. So, um, you know I hadn't really done anything, um, and I finally you know built back up to twenty big blinds and, um, and then I I doubled Sorry, up see i'm trying to think about how i got my stack um are we gonna get to the hand
2: <laughs> <laughs> i gotta
1: give you the history um so you know the table the, the image and so then i okay so then i had i think like 20 big blinds and i shoved um a guy shoved a piece of Maze King, and so then i finally got a, 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 some chips i had sixty four thousand chips at 1200 2400 okay ready for the hand all that tells you a twenty-seven big. blinds. Chris. Wake up. I'm here. All that tells you a twenty-seven big blinds. No, but you know how live is. You need to know the, uh, the you know the. Reading. I don't. I didn't get anything from what you okay. just said.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, as, as as long as someone else did, then if, if there's only one person out there who did, then that's. <laughs> I got something from it. All, All right. right. <laughs> so um, nice. So sixty-four k effective at twelve hundred, twenty-four hundred. Uh, it's three hundred actual. 300 chip ante, so um, it's a relatively large ante for that that size, so 6,600 in the pot. Um, I have ace-queen on the button, and there's a limp from the hijack. My only read on this guy was that he was calling multiple streets, like you know, he would limp a lot, call streets, or just call a raise and, and and then just call multiple streets drawing or with a small pair, like you never give anyone credit for having a hand, and then he typically folded on the river um if he didn't have it. And so that was my read on the guy. Um so he limps from the hijack. I have ace eight in the button. I make it 7400 at 2,400, 2, 64k effective. He had me covered. So first off, he had like 102k at this point. Uh, so first off, does are we all in agreement with the the open here, the the raise or did you guys take yeah, it Yeah, so he
5: limps. He said you he limps hijack, you open button.
1: Yes, exactly.
5: Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it unless there's some sort of like blind structure between the small blind
1: and big blind that would cause a problem. But <laughs> the only the only thing the the small blind was the tournament chip leader, just just so you know. But he was not very aggressive or good. He did not. He was wouldn't not. Wouldn't you be, want him? Wouldn't you want him to be aggressive in that spot? Why would I want the chip leader to be aggressive? I don't want him to four bet me. I would have to fold ace eight. What not I? Wait, are you opening or are you three betting?
2: Yeah, I thought I'm,
1: you were opening. I'm, I'm opening. On the button, you just
4: said he was four, he'd be four betting. I'm really confused.
5: Okay, so yeah, I mean the only thing you don't want is just him to be three betting you. But I mean, if he's not going to, I'd still open it regardless. So I don't see any problem so far.
1: Right. I, the, yeah. I, all I said there was that the chip leader was in the small blind, but he was not involved in the hand yet.
5: He had yet to act. Oh, gotcha. To act.
1: Same. <coughs> I'm giving you that. Who's in the blind?
4: But well, you said that he wasn't aggressive, and I thought maybe you'd want him to be aggressive because it would seem like a perfect spot to four bet shove on him.
1: So you're saying that if I open on the button and the, and the, the, the chip leader... If you
4: open the button after a limb burn he decides to 3-bet you, if he's an aggressive player the chip leader of the tournament, I think it's a pretty easy shove spot. Do you? Yeah. I think Ace 8's light. Yeah, I feel like it's light. Like I know, but I mean, what's to stop him from 3-betting light like there if he'd been aggressive?
5: Well, he hasn't been, so we're kind of just getting the theory that's
4: not really... But, nice, I feel like. That's true. Anyways... Back to
1: the hand. I, I, <laughs> no, no, but I think what you're saying there, Sean, is that if he had shown aggressive tendencies, then it's a good spot for me to four bet him yes. light, right? Yeah. And 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 yeah, I I agree. I agree. I guess it also depends on like, will he just call me back light, or you know, what does he think of me, and and is it worth that risk in a live tournament, which I think is also something that'll come into play at the rest of this hand as well. Um, but okay, so uh, you know, guy limps. I make a seven four hundred. Um, he calls. And so we go to a flop. There's 21,000 in the pot at this point. Um, the flop is 6, 7, 10 all rags. Um, I have ace eight. Uh, and so I have, you know, the gutter and I have, you know, the ace over, over card. And, um, and obviously I, I open. so he, uh, he checks. Um, I bet 9K into 21, 4 um, so first of all, is it, has the sizing there, you know, is it, would you, would you, you know, bet there or how's the sizing if you do bet? What is, how does that sound to you guys?
5: I'd be going, um, it depends on like how invested you're willing to get in his hand. You'd said that, you know, he has a tendency to be a station and the only way you're going to get him off is by triple barreling. So the only reason I would make it smaller is if I intend on tripling. So if I know that I'm going to have to barrel, regardless of turn and river for the most part. I think I might make it, okay, so you have 57K approximately left. You make it, and if you make it nine, you still have 48, then you'd have to make it 18 and then 30. I mean, that's not that bad. I actually kind of think that's fine. I was just, my initial thought was that you make it smaller on the flop so that you can, you have room to produce fold equity later when you barrel again and then shove river.
1: But, yeah. And so, Chris, that I mean, sounds like that's
5: what it's going to take to get him to fold like any piece of this flop. Because obviously, we didn't flop the best hand. I'm pretty sure. So, right,
2: or yeah. we probably still don't have
5: the best hand, is what I'm saying. Um, after this flop, I would guess.
1: Here's here. So, you, I think you nailed it right there. The, the 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 reason why I brought this hand to the podcast because um, I find that in you know, especially in a live situation, with I don't know, it just feels like this happens a lot live like at this point with this kind of player who's going to passively call me a couple of streets I believe with as you just, you know, basically diagnosed him. I mean, is how, we're going to take a lot of risk here with the triple barrel, right? We're going to, you know, basically put our tournament life on the line. Um obviously, you know, if we can get him to fold the river if that's what we have to get to, we're going to, you know, win some decent chips. But, you know, assuming a skill edge, right? Let's I, mean, I know mine is not going to be as, as large as your your guys skill edge, but assuming a skill edge and taking variance into play um like is it worth getting involved in a hand like this that requires that at this stage of the tournament
5: yeah like, your two options are on the flop i mean like everything pre-flop i would do the same regardless but i think your two options on the flop are we're gonna check back for pot control and then give up when he bets turns unless we turn like gin
2: mm-hmm. and
5: which is fine like i guess that's not that bad against the guy that you know is not going to fold anyway but any bets that you're making on the flop you like need to pretty much be committed to going with just because, like you said, if you has such a high propensity to just check call, check call and then not give up unless you show some serious aggression on the river. Any bets that you put on the flop and on the turn are just complete waste then, right. If you're gonna bet the flop with the intention of betting the turn with the intention of giving up and then he just shows you like six seven on the river. you're just you just wasted a bet on the flop that you could have just check back and given up on the turn. Right. So any bets that you make have to just be all three. Like you have to barrel, barrel, barrel.
1: Otherwise, <laughs> wasting bets. Right. So you have so, to stop there and say, I'm going to either commit to this or not. Right. You can't half. You can't just go halfway.
5: In my opinion, or unless there's some sort of factor where, like, the board runs out where you're just never going to get a fold no matter right. like how state. Like if it runs like ten ten and you just know he'll never hold seven eight off to you here, then right. I mean that's the only situation I'm giving up. But right. you would anticipate if he has something you know, not huge on the flop to call you with, and, you know, discussing turns and rivers for his hand come, you have to rep them, or otherwise you're just wasting bets on the flop, in my opinion. So, and you're not yeah. super deep where you can, like, you're not deep enough where you can go ahead and, like, give two-thirds effort and then give give it up on the river. Like, if you bet the flop and bet the turn and then give up on the river, you cripple yourself in the same way as you would if you had gone all the way with it and lost, in my opinion. So, all right. There is no skill edge when you bet the flop, bet the turn, and then give up on the river. Right, <laughs> you have no way to exercise your skill edge because you're just back at a shove or fold stack. So,
1: it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and so it, it comes down to me is is for me is I feel like I have to bet here, and I'm going to bet a lot of turns, and I just feel like that's the right way to play this hand. But I feel like at the same time, you know, do I need to take this level of risk? And put these chips at risk at this stage of this tournament. When you know, yeah, you're right. It's not a ton of chips, but, but I, I would say 64,000 chips is probably a top, you know, 25 stack in this tournament. Honestly, given what I've seen around the tables, wow, shallow. What's that? I mean, that's a shallow tournament. Then if you're it a is, top. it's a pretty shallow tournament. It, it's it's definitely pretty shallow. I, I I'm pretty sure that you know of the nine people at my table, I was probably third or fourth in chips after I just won that last hand.
5: I mean, I would advocate letting you arrive to that decision on your own, but your two options basically, like the only thing I would add really is that your two options are like give up now and unless you turn gin or some sort of equity on the turn, if he right. leads in you, just get rid of it. Or if you're going to bet, just make sure that you know that you're betting all the time. Otherwise, right. you're, you're just wasting bets on the flop. Uh, you,
2: know, sure. if
5: you put a 9K here and then check back the turn, it's essentially right. the same as just giving up on the flop with this guy. So. Right,
1: okay. So, Sean, I know you play a lot in Florida with a lot of players that probably played it this way. What do you think? What are you thinking about at this point in terms of this? Um,
4: I mean, I actually agree with Chris. You just have to kind of make that decision there. Um, are we ever, see, I don't know the opponent, so it makes it kind of tough. I mean, he's one thing, so I mean, he ha- could have, I mean, I don't know if you're betting there in one of them raises, are you ever just going to stick it in with your, whatever equity you have thinking you can get them to fold? I mean, are
1: they ever check raise bluffing you on the flop? Um, just to clarify there's only one person, other person inside from Uh-oh, me. Oh, my <laughs> bad. I thought they both called. No, no, no. I was just giving you the small blind just so you know he was behind me with a lot of chips. No, it's, just, it's just the one guy who checked to me. Just no. one guy who
4: checked at me. if he ever check raises, I'm guessing he's probably got, got it. it.
1: Yeah, I'm folding there if he check raises.
4: I mean, you, I but. think you have to bet there. Okay. I just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yep. he's, he's limp calling. I mean, yeah, he might, it might
1: smack him a little bit, but he's probably. he might even give up on a two-barrel. I don't even yeah. think you're necessarily going to have to three barrel there. Right. And he may give up here. He may just not... I mean, yes, he he's shown that he calls down a lot, but, you know, if he has, I don't know, jack... King, I mean, what are we even
2: ranging him here?
1: But, I mean, it's so random. It's so wide. I mean, it's like it's small... Oh, I was... I I, 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 You know, small pairs, I think. Um, suited connectors. Um, weak broadways, I think. Because why wouldn't he open anything else, you know? It, People yeah. that, that
5: play that fishy are usually like... I mean, you pretty much nailed it on the head. They play their week Broadway's that way, even late. Like, someone will look down at Queen Jack off there and just be yeah. like, I'll end. You know, yep. when, with
1: that thought yeah. process anyway, would be doing the same thing. So. Yep, yep. Okay, so...
4: Did, did you say what
0: his,
1: what his stack was? He covered yeah. me. He had 102, 102 K. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Okay, so... so All right, so anyway, I bet 9K has, has I think... Uh, I don't know if I said that before, but it sounded like that was in the range of what we were thinking. Um, he called. So we go to the turn, and now the pot is 39K. And as you said, I think at this point, what do we ha- What do I have left? 48K. I have 48K to start turn, and the yeah. pot is 39K. Um, and the turn is the king of spades, but it's four suits to the board. So. Uh, no-
2: <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Yeah, yeah. okay.
1: I mean, it's it's, yeah, it seems pretty. So he checks. What's your bet size here? 39k in the pot.
5: So you have what 47 we said 48k behind 48k. I'm making it like no, because I feel that we're still gonna have to go this bet and then the next one to convince him. So I'd probably like I'd probably go like 12 or 13, assuming I'm getting called just about every time. Because the problem here is, like, if you make it too big here, you don't drum up enough fold equity on the street that you really need it. So, like, if you take it as a foregone conclusion that, like, a stationary fish is going to check-call you here anyway, this is kind of like a perfect spot to, like, make it smaller so that it's a bigger shove on the river. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
5: If you you take what you said for granted that he check-calls the two streets, like, almost semi-automatically and then gives up only on rivers when, like, shitty rivers hit then you would take that this flop this turn is just going to get called anyway yeah. so you want to drum up like as much fold equity on the river when we just have complete air like if a queen hits the river i mean and a queen's like a ba- not the greatest barrel card in the world but it's good against like 10 9 and like 10 jack but you know if he's calling like with a queen ten you probably get stuck to cause but i mean that's neither here, they're neither here nor there but oh. i think i think here i'm making it like between 12 and 14 and then expecting to shove what 32 on the river
1: um I have 30, 48 so if you make it 12 13 I'm shoving you know 36 30. 35
5: 36 yeah so like 13 14 out of way towards and then he has to call like 33 32
1: on the river yeah and well,
5: that's okay. too. if he makes your big call on the river and he's wrong he's stuck with like what 30k you said he started with 102 to start the hand
1: yeah and I have so he's stuck with like 38k yeah so
5: he's, I mean 28 right 72, you started, and he has 102, so it's like 30. I mean, wow. that, that's no small psychological value in um, live tournaments, especially yeah. against players like that, where they think, like, well, I have 50 now, but if I make this bad call on the river, then I only have 22, and we're getting close to the money bubble. So
1: He had 102, and I had 64 to start, so however the math works out there, okay. 38, okay. but still, it's it's a lot, and it is near the money bubble. Um, okay, so I've, I've I've talked about this hand to a bunch of people, um, you were the first person to bring up the 12 to 13 K because of the, the river jam. And I think it's actually the best point I've, I've heard about from anyone in A regards king, to this I don't hand. It's his range,
5: unless it's King 10, right? Or if he's really retarded. And it's like King seven suited, right? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no. like, he could never have ace King here. And he's just right. here floating. If he has like King Jack high or King queen high, and he's like planning on doing something tricky on the turn. Uh, like never, I don't think that ever happens. Yeah. Like, king hits you a lot, way more than it hits yeah, him, right, you know, right. your perceived range versus his range. Absolutely. And then if we get like good cards on the river, like I, I kind of brought up a queen, I don't know if a queen's like necessarily the greatest card in the world but, I mean, we're going to barrel regardless, so I feel like anyway unless it like pairs a 10 eh, probably not even then I, I probably won't even stop then Alright,
1: so let and, me give you what happened on the river because it's, it's another interesting card so, so, okay, so I bet 16k so I... I I really like what you said about 12 to 13 K because for the exact reason you mentioned, now we go to the, we go to the river and I have the pot is 71 K and I have 32 K left behind.
5: Yeah, so, you're leaving like, you're leaving like a player like that who just plays like that, just a little bit too much incentive to call yeah, you in the river.
1: Right. You so it. Yeah, so <laughs> the river is another K and I actually feel like that's one of the worst hands for me. <laughs> Wor- worst cards that, that can, that can come because, you know, I mean, it obviously...
5: It's likely that he's going to believe you for a king there, yep. yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. But now, so the, now, so now, you know, he checks to me again, and I'm you know, i thinking to myself, he has some piece of this flop. He's probably got a 6 or a 7, you know, may have a weak 10, 10-9 ten, maybe, maybe 7-8, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, 5-6 is, is kind of what I'm thinking at this point. And I feel like the only way I could win this pot... And I might take it down enough as if I do shove. So does everyone agree or disagree, that, given what the card that just came, does that change your plan at all?
5: Um, it's not an ideal card to be barreling, but I don't think, like, the way that we've set up this hand, I don't think we can afford to just quit now, Right. In, my um, in terms of, like, I mean, do you even have a skill edge anymore if you just, like, give up on this river? Right. I think that might be, like, my make or break. I kind of talk about it in my video, and I will talk about it a lot in this article coming up, too, where... You know, my make or break might be if this is positive chip EV, is it like short run really bad um, tournament EV to be playing it this way? And I feel like between shoving and winning this pot and checking and losing, checking and losing doesn't have enough upside because you're really just crippled anyway. It's kind of one of those you're not
1: guaranteed to make the money if you just check back anyway. So I think it's kind of I barrel.
5: I lean toward barreling here.
1: Right. But you do have your tournament life, right? So like I know that it may impact imp- impair your skill edge, but you do get to stay in the tournament if and, and I, I, I've come like a like three hundred eighty degrees. I was gonna say three sixty, but then you'd be in the same place, right? Um <laughs> people say that. People say
0: that.
5: People in sports all the time though, I know. Like. The Lions draft a couple of years ago, they said, like, oh, they're drafting 360
2: degrees
1: away from what they used to do. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> no, exactly. But, no, you know, actually, I am. I have come 360 degrees, because I think I'm going back. I, I feel like I care more about my tournament life now than I did, you know, two years ago, but almost nearly matching what I cared about when I first started playing poker, and I, I, I did understand CEV, because... You know, I think I, I was a little flippant about tournament life for a while, which, you know, I probably played a little too loose and took too many gambles, um, too many risks for a while. But, I, um, uh, you know, so is there, you know, what is the value here? And I, I've been thinking about it a lot more. What is the value of, you know, okay, well, I'm not saying I want, I want to do this or I'm going to do this, but what's the value of then just giving up and staying in this tournament with 15 big blinds, even if it doesn't allow me to have a skill edge? Is, is the okay. skill edge more important? then don't play any other part of this hand the way that you did so far. Right. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. So,
5: um, so yep. I mean, yep. like, uh, a well-devised plan is only well-devised in its execution. I mean, right. if you kind of, like, halfway execute this plan, then it,
1: what was the point of making it in the first place? Right. Right, because I'm never going to get him to fold a turn after he calls. Like, the turn would be the biggest mistake if I, if I just check behind here.
5: Yeah, um, I mean, this is easy for me to stay in like a, a bubble, and it's not, like not my tournament life. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would, you know, hear what I'm saying and like, be like, "Okay, all right, all right, you put yourself in that spot and do it." And trust me, I've done it enough. Where I just, you know, I regret nothing. Chicken dot and ship it in, and <laughs> right, <laughs> it'll get caught. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm giving up. I think I'm putting it in.
1: Okay, well, sorry. Um, he guys there.
5: I was just going to say,
0: like, he might give up, like, some of his two-pair hands. Like, the, I guess if he flopped two-pair, like, now he's, he does the whole, oh, shit, I got counterfeited thing in full.
1: There's <laughs> not a lot of those, though. It's like 6-7 or bust, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, I guess that's you're probably it, yeah. right. Cause I, oh, it could be 10-7 suited, but mm, doubt it. That's, he gets that's... you in on the turn. Even, like, a fish that bad gets you in on the turn. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, you're right, right. Well, I did, I did go all in for the thirty-two k, um, and so here's another well disguised bad beat. <laughs> Sean, I ready? like it. I <laughs> like it because he. Okay, so he tanks for five minutes. I, I, got it. I almost called the clock for the first time ever, but I was afraid if I called, he would. Then, if I called the clock, he would call. You um, know,
5: calling the clock looks strong, right? Do you ever think of it that way? Calling does, the clock is like almost always an indicator of strength live really okay well i guess
1: that's, that's actually dist- good to know because yeah. i've always wondered that i've always i've <laughs> never i've never found myself actually in a situation to call the clock on someone no one's ever taken this long against me so that's good to know <laughs> yeah. but, but he, does, does a fish know that or does a fish get like flustered and call i
5: think we know that it's strong just because it's the fish that are doing it where they're like
1: you know made not
5: i mean i fell for it once like a wsopc I mean, I, like, made, like, the third nuts on the river, and he made the nut back door on the river, and it was, like, some weird spot. I don't want to get too deep into it, where, like, I flopped a uh, pair in a gutter and a flush straw, and um, he flopped the flush straw, and we um, got to the river, and I, you know, I bet thinking I was good, but then, you know, when a fish comes over you on the river, you're kind of like,
1: well, yeah.
5: what the hell do you have? And then, like, he instantly calls the clock on me, too, which I was like, okay, this should make me lean toward a fold, but, like, how do I fold the third nuts here yeah. on the you know? <laughs> Um, no, it's usually an indicator of strength from from weaker players, I would say. Unless you're on like some sick meta level with someone that you know, and they're calling the clock on you because they know it looks strong, but they know you know it looks strong, so therefore it looks Right, weak. But right, they, right. That, right. <laughs> you know, like ridiculous shit like that.
2: You
1: can call the clock, he might
5: look stronger, but I don't know that he's smart enough to know.
1: Yeah, that's what I was uh, afraid of. Because um, he also, I mean, he, he didn't, he was trying to like talk himself into calling. He he asked me several times, "Do you even?" Did you, he goes, "Did you even stop to think of what I have?" Was one thing he said to me. Um, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, this is why I'm playing the hand this way." Um, <laughs> but I didn't say it to him. I just said, uh, just stay quiet." Um, anyway, so he tanked for a ton of time, and then he called with six two.
2: <laughs> what
1: oh, six Christ. two off? <laughs> That's.
5: I mean, oh, then our play should work. I mean, even with the king hitting the river, our play should work, like, dramatically enough that we show, like, a large, sizable profit doing yeah. that. And I would say, I would argue, I lean toward on, like, the nittier side, too, like you said. Even if it's plus Chippy V, I tend to, you know, have an edge over a tournament field. Like, why would I risk, you know, my tournament life over some, like, silly Chippy V play? But, um, I feel like we'd show such a sizable profit against a player like that. Like, why would we ever not try yeah. and do it? But that kind of is a testament to what we were talking about, too, that like if a jack or a queen hits the river, we now have like even better of odds to you know, yeah. barrel
1: and ship in on them.
5: Yeah, but I would I think I the love king that. I is probably like the nut worst card for you Great. to be shipping in, but you still <laughs> would probably be doing it.
1: Yeah, when, when the king came, I, I kind of groaned inside. I said, fuck. I was like, oh, man, this is the worst card. Because, like, as you said, a, a, a queen fits my story as well. Even if I was bluffing the, the turn, the queen, I could have got there with the queen of the jack.
5: Like, we have ace yeah. 8 so we'd actually, like, river the best hand with an 8 or a 9, but there are like, so many ridiculously good cards for you to barrel against stupid-ass 6-2. So, like, uh, an 8 hits the river, a 9 hits the river. It wouldn't technically be a bluff because we'd have the best hand, but a Jack hits the river, a Queen hits the river, and an 8 hitting the river, although, again, we'd river the best hand. Like, all those cards, like, if we just take... If we, like, ignore the fact that we even have a hand and we're just playing face-up against his hand... Like all those cards are cards that we would win with, I feel right, like. Right. So I think you just kind of got – your plan was well-devised if you go with it. And maybe
1: you get him to fold
5: 6-2 if we make it 12 on the turn and then, you know, thirty yeah. six on the river. I, you
1: know, I feel like there was a I – think, I think we were on the margin right there with the guy. I think if something changed in the hand that I did slightly different, I could have got him to fold. And I think it probably was the best size on the turn, leaving me a bigger barrel on the river.
5: Yeah, the bet size on the turn might have gotten you, like, might have cheated it. Where if the king still comes on the river, you might fold for like an extra five or four K or whatever. Maybe. I mean, that's psychological, pure there. But, right. um, but it it'd be just like a completely The sizing would be a completely moot point if any card higher than a seven hits the river, besides pairing the board with the ten. So, right. I, I think like your plan's well devised. It just sucks that some fish just heroes off because it's the worst barrel <laughs> card in the river.
1: <laughs> All right, cool. Well, there was my well-disguised bad beat. <laughs> this is my second one. Oh, of <laughs> and and the third one is coming up, so just... <laughs> it's a it's a
0: pretty sexy uh, limp call out of position with <laughs> six off, though, you have to admit. There's a uh, real
5: I'll quick this this spot. Gonna... I think it, I don't know if it's in the first video of my series or if it's the second one where I'm playing a guy who's running like a 4-2 and run a... Money bubble or a final table bubble, and he's been running like a four VIP with like a two pre-flop raise uh-huh. over a good sample. And so, I'm like, this is the only spot I'm raise folding to like a nine big line or a ten big line stack, right, like Like right. three diamonds, and he does the same exact thing. He has six, two, he flops like a two, and then just goes nuts and just like. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, the best, I flop a flush draw, and, like, we put him in on the turn. He calls me, like, a two with a six high kicker. And then we just river a three, and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
1: brilliant. I love that. I say
5: all this stuff in the video. I'm like, yeah, like, this never hits his range because, you know, he can't have this and this. And we have right. a flush draw, so we must have, you know, a lot of fold equity. And we're absolutely wrong. He calls us off with a two, but it doesn't matter. If we hit a three. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway,
5: it's a long
0: time. It's a long time to play that tight to finally just decide that you're going to go crazy.
1: You'd be shocked
5: how many times you see it, though.
0: It's crazy. Yeah,
1: and that's really the worst thing about live tournaments, too, is that after that, like, I, you know, that's the, that's the day. That's my full day, right, <laughs> from, <laughs> from 11 a.m. to 9:30 p.m. That ended the day, and it's just. It's devastating. That's what I hate about live tournaments is that you can't just be playing four other ones at the same time. But I saw it out of the main event the last two years too. Like oh really?
2: it's,
5: it, yeah, it's just like someone just playing one way all day, and then just going off the deep end, and, like, I just get stuck in the middle
0: of it. <laughs> I love his comment, did, did you ever stop to think what I might have? Uh, yeah, I, I think
5: you probably have six deuce off. <laughs> yeah, what are you repping here? You
2: well,
5: know, you know, when you said that, he said that line about, what do you think I could possibly have? I thought that maybe my premise that he never has, like, King Jack high on the flop, was in crack now. That's what yeah, I, right. I thought that's what it was going to be like. Do you ever think like, I might have just like King 9 high and like just flat you in like back to two kings? What are you doing? <laughs>
2: oh, oh, man.
1: All right. So anyway, I go, I, I go and, and, and uh, you know, uh, have to start the next day. And so we move on to the next tournament. Uh, this hand is in a, a $350 100K, $350 100K, tournament it's event number five at the, the the borgata series um pretty big field we're still relatively early um we we passed the re-entry point um i come to this table with 14k at 300 600 and i don't know i think i think it was 30 minute levels it's actually relatively fast structure um come to the table with uh, with that, that stack size and i can't find any spots in the first couple of uh First orbit or two, and so now we're at four hundred, eight hundred, and now I have to like start, you know, basically shoving with like twelve k. So I do, and I work up to about seven. And once again, I'm, I'm going to give you a long setup here, so you understand table image.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I work up to about seventeen or eighteen k, and now we're at five hundred, one hundred, and I keep with the resteals or just you know not not getting too active. Um, and finally, I shove eight eight from the button into Ace King and and win. And so now I'm up to thirty eight k, and this is the first time. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, it's like it, it's like oh, it's, it's such a relief to when you when you finally get you know, like 40 big blinds, right? Just, uh, um, but uh you know, my image at this table is just like just shoving all the time. I'm getting I'm getting those comments you get from lo- people live like, you know, that 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 works until it doesn't or, you know,
2: yeah. going to get <laughs> caught
1: at some, you, Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to get caught at one point. Um is that your only move? Yeah, right. Right. Work, works every time
5: to the last time. Yes, it, it, exactly. <laughs> you can't see me doing this because we're on a podcast, but they're like waving the finger, like,
1: oh, why am I on you little bastard? And it's that kind <laughs> of table. There's there's two or three competent players, and then the rest of them are just pretty casual, um, you know, fishy guys. The, the The villain in this hand is the nittiest guy at the table and makes a comment after I do, you know, I shove or I, I, I free steal or whatever that... He's going to put on his man pants at some point too. Is what he sa- actually says.
4: <laughs> I would come up with a different phrase for that. In the put on
1: his man pants? He says he's going to put on his man pants at some point too, and so. um,
0: So, <laughs> so great! I'm just
1: speechless. Man, <laughs> I love live <laughs> poker so much. Um, and and so, you know, he's he's super tight. He hasn't really done much. Um, so now it, it's we're at. uh, what are we at here? We're at six hundred, twelve hundred, with a 200 ante. Um, I have 32K. So, uh, you know, um, I guess a, an open didn't work or whatever at some point. Um, and it folds to this guy, the guy who's going to put on his man pants at some point. And here at six hundred, twelve hundred, he makes it 4K. Um, this is his standard open size. So there's nothing really to read into here. Um, unless you want to read into a standard size, but he opened once or twice before to approximately the same size, and he has me covered, but not by much. Um, Okay, he's in the cutoff. He opens there, and I'm in the small blind with Ace Jack. Now, this is purely a pre fluff spot, I think, unless you tell me to call, um, because um, I have 32K at 600, 1200, and Ace Jack in the small blind, and I found this to be... An interesting spot given my stack size. It feels yeah, really awkward. Yeah, it feels so big to shove. But
5: his size is so big already that size is so big, right? That's yeah. if he opens to like two or like the standard, you know, like two point one or whatever. I don't think. I think it, we might be having a different conversation. But Right. when he makes it like what three point five? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Two thousand four? Uh... <laughs> When he makes it, like, 3.5, I think your spot is, like, shove or fold. Right. right. Um, And I I wouldn't say that I know enough about him to say whether or not you'd be showing a profit shoving versus...
2: I mean, I don't
5: mind it, to be honest, but... um, So, like, where is the man pants coming in here? Are we, like, thinking of, like, clicking
1: it back to induce shoves because the guy's (laughs) going to spaz out? Is that where that came from? the only reason I give that is because... He heard that line and you've been saving it. Yes, I've I've been, I've been, I've been repeating that to everyone I see um, since then. No, he he was he was playing Nitty, and he recognized that he was Nitty, and that you know he said that man panting in in response to me shoving on people. So it just it was a reaction that he had to my my play. So he noticed that I was you know shoving and.
5: Hey, um, I'm just spitballing here. Have you ever thought of? Okay, so we think like this open is pretty big, but our stack size is still too big to like leverage shoving profitably. I've heard of people saying in this spot, and they're like they're primarily live players, so like take that as you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I've heard of like approximately this stack size just check shoving all flops. Mm. Um, oh, I wouldn't say I love it, but if we're gonna shove pre, why not? get extra bets for the times that our shove is successful versus the times that it's not. Right. Um, I mean, obviously not shoving all flops that we hit, like, serious equity or anything, but... Um, right. And again, like, it probably sucks if he... You, like, you lose, like, a little bit of a control of the pot, too, where, like, if he makes it some ridiculous number on the flop where you're, like, never going to produce fulls, maybe it's not such a good play, but... Um,
1: but don't I just pick up this pot so much, if I, pre I pre-flop if I just shove? Because he's in the cutoff, so, I mean, he's opening all pairs, right? He's going to open most aces, I think, and, you know, most Broadway. Yeah, I mean, he's not like a 4-2. He's, he's a nit, but he's not, you know, I not describe him as, as I haven't seen him do anything. And so he can't call me with anything but, you know, ace, queen, ace, king, what, nines or tens are better? Like, what, what, he, what should he be calling me with there if I shove? What would you call me with?
5: Uh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, maybe, like, sevens is my last hand. Right. Just because... But, again, that's, like, thinking on a level that I don't think this person's capable. Right, like, right. So think about I his think level. Because... I say sevens because I'm thinking that you know that me opening this right. wide or this late means I'm opening wider. Therefore, you're three-bet shoving wider. Therefore, right. sevens would, like, fall right on the last
1: hand I call with. Right. Now, think of this guy, right? I know he's not <laughs> this open. This
5: guy, he's probably, like, calling you, like, he's probably, like, looking at nines and going, like, oh, this isn't a spot for a race. And then pulled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. That,
1: that, that's what I was thinking. I, I mean, that's... That
5: yeah, he probably is calling you, like, way too tight yeah. to, like... Yeah, like I kind of would throw out that flap idea just considering that. But I have, I must say that I have heard that given like this almost exact same scenario, where it's right. like if you're gonna shove pre and like close your eyes and not really know, just check jam the flap. But um, right.
0: yeah, I think when we talked about this hand, I said I thought the shoving was fine, even though it's kind of
5: big. Well, it's only big, but it's only big if you like assume standard open size. It's like three point five x. You're like. Winning a lot more for the times that you do win, so it's right. Like right. Right. The right. upside that, that, is higher, so the downside isn't as big of a deal to account for the differences between the two outcomes.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, what do you, what do you think, Sean? Sean, before
5: I reveal, come on, I'm a monkey. I just shove it in.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, you're always wearing your man pants. <laughs> if in doubt, if just shove.
2: <laughs>
1: so I do shove. Okay, and um, and it gets isn't back another th- bad no, no, he he, he gets... I can't handle this many he, more he ta- bad boots in one he night. He tanks for a couple minutes. So you're going to start telling me your fantasy football bad boots. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to put my man pants on, and he calls.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> did he really say that? He did. What did he well, have? That's like twos? He had threes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that... That's why I told you about the man pants, because he actually yeah. says... I'm moving to Atlantic City.
4: When's the next Morgata series? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think in November. Actually, he yeah. goes. I'm putting on. My, he goes. All right. I'm putting on my man pants. I call. Wow. <laughs> and so, so we flip, and and and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, and he he, he holds. But um, I just thought that the stack size was really interesting, and and I feel like Chris once again to your point, the open is so big that you just get so much value from. You get more value, so much more value from the shove here than you would if he did an opening size. That I feel like. It's okay because I mean, what is there in the pot here? There's eighteen hundred, and then times ten, there's thirty-eight hundred plus four K. There's a seventy-eight hundred in the pot. So if yeah. I take this, it's like a thirty K shove, and I'll go up to thirty-eight K. If hey, I forty K by the
5: time the end of this hand, right? And you started at what thirty-two? Yeah, thirty-two. Right. Yeah, you have almost forty K when you finish the hand. Oh, that's crazy. That's like a twenty-five percent swing. Yeah. Right. Um, that's like the equivalent of having. That's like the equivalent of having, like, 19 bigs. Someone opens in an online tournament, and then you ship in, and then win it, right? Right, About 23, 24. Hey, let's be super results-oriented with a sample size of one. What was the (laughs) clock? I don't remember. Because if it comes, like, 7, 9, 10 check jam, he folds three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you know he's got threes, then you can do that play every time, yeah. and it's always going to work. But, I, but if <laughs> I know he hits sets, and if you assume he has, like, some small pairs in his range, yeah. check shoving every flop regardless, I feel like would be, um, would work. But...
1: But but I think if we knew he had threes, we exp- I would jam because I think he would always fold threes. Yeah, on. I know
5: you don't. Ex- I mean, he is kind of just like a regular human being. He gets up every morning and puts his man pants on one leg like, at
2: a time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Um,
5: but the difference is when he puts his man pants on, he calls you a threes and holds. So <laughs> his man pants be your man pants.
2: <laughs> Why? are they... It- by the
5: way, why are we making the distinction that they're man pants? Is it like a that we ever put on skinny jeans and go play a tournament? You've obviously you never seen man me at other... a <laughs>
2: Have
5: you been to Borgata? No,
2: no
5: I haven't. i gotta be, I got to be honest. I have not been on the coast in quite a while. I'm definitely never to Borgata. So. Uh, See you in
1: you might have to make that trip. <laughs> yeah, you really do. It's a great tournament series. Uh, okay, well, that was my two bad beats for the um, – for the podcast that I brought to you guys. Hope everyone enjoyed them. <laughs> like it. Just for the record, I, I, um,
0: played every hand perfectly in Atlantic. <laughs> place, did you, I, make, I don't have did you make a break? Uh, yeah, I actually went, I mean, not deep, but a lot deeper than most people in in, the, in event one. But, uh, yeah, I didn't make, I think I, did I make dinner? I don't remember if I made dinner or not, but I, but yeah, I busted like six hours in or something. That one,
1: you did not make dinner.
0: I'll well, check because right, I came upstairs and then we went right back down right. and ate the yep. uh, Chinese or something. Yeah, yeah that's you did right. not make dinner.
1: Almost. <clears throat>
0: yeah, and I hate playing like going that far to play two events because yeah. you just can't outrun
4: the variance, especially when you drive.
0: Yeah, so you just basically end up like, you know, doing what happens in most tournaments, which is bust sometime in the you know first
5: five or six hours, and then you're like,
0: eh, shit, guess I got to go home now. Yeah. <laughs> that's annoying.
5: <laughs> when we uh <laughs> When we were in high school, I think like just soon, as soon as we turned 18, we were eligible to go to the Soaring Eagle, the Indian casino, like three or four hours away from my house. And I I still don't understand how we thought this was a good idea. So we couldn't get action anywhere else. So we would go and play the big old one-two game at Soaring Eagle. <laughs> the structure then was it was hundred max buy-in, and then if you fell down below 50, you could rebuy for hundred more, so you could max out to. A hundred and fifty dollar stack, and then the session fee was six dollars every half hour. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) We drove three and a half hours each way and ate meals, and sometimes would get there with like our four hundred dollar roll and like bust and (laughs) turn around and go directly home.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
5: wow. Getting the nuts, like, driving three and a half hours, like, paying the, the session fee, and then, like, getting stacked, like, four hands in, and then just having to turn around and go home.
1: Oh, my God, that's yeah. awful. I thought, yeah, like, playing one tournament and busting before dinner is bad, but that is just the worst.
5: Yeah, that was, like, the pinnacle of the games we could get in high school, too. That's ridiculous. I, wow. I, I haven't thought about that in quite a long time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's
0: funny. Yeah. Good old Soaring Eagle. Cool. Well, right, I guess we should wrap this up. Um, we'll, get, uh, we'll get Chris back on the podcast relatively soon, talk some more hands with him, so uh, before I do go, I want to remind you guys, uh, first of all Chris is a very uh, enjoyable to follow on Twitter, so make sure you do that He's a, he is at, at thechrismoon, so check that out, also check out Cougars at, at cougars4444, where's my enjoyable and, vlog? Uh, hey, what about me? yours aren't enjoyable but I just figured I if I gave Chris I gotta give yours too, uh, fair enough <laughs> <laughs> if, if you like if you like to hear um, people complain about the Orlando Magic's trades <laughs> and about Florida State losing, then you um, should follow Play Cougars on Twitter. Every once
1: in a while I get a tweet. I'm like, oh, this is something I don't, completely don't understand. This must be drawn about some Florida sports. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and don't forget to follow Derek at ManPants. <laughs> I think we
4: need a Man ManPants parody account. <laughs> Just that, to see if a let's start that see how many
5: people out. Actually you should make it where like the the avatar is just a picture of like old school Levi's jeans. <laughs> like that's
2: it. like the buddy
5: Lee pants that like that doll used to wear. <laughs> this
2: is this
4: is, Derek, see if you can start a man pants Twitter account. Let's see how many people will join I it. I guarantee that name's
5: taken by like some metrosexual clothing <laughs> company. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately. I'm looking it up right now.
5: <laughs> i should it's say to uh if, if um people listening to this podcast want to follow me and they have any problems with my sense of humor please feel free to like um tweet me in 140 characters of all caps saying how terrible of a human i am and how you're unfollowing <laughs> me and for what reasons because i'd love to have an informed discussion about why you don't like things i do or don't do <laughs> I It sounds like this has happened
2: before. Uh, yeah,
5: like a couple months ago, I won't say the name, but it was, a, it was like a rag on Merge was following me for some random reason. And then um, I said, I mean, in retrospect, it was pretty awful. But I had like a minus like three buy-in session at like a really deep stack cash game downtown. And it was all just like getting it in with straights to sets, losing, getting it in with like flushes over flushes, or, like getting in with a flush to a set and losing like all that standard stuff that could happen in one night. And I said basically that, um, what was it? It was something of like um, infant kids um, dying in fires run better than I do. Something like a trifecta. <laughs> like really three bad things that can happen to a person all at once still yeah. run better than I do. And he said something along the lines of like, have you ever seen a kid with... I mean, this is pretty awful to be talking about, but he said, like, have you ever seen like a kid with cancer? And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Why are you like focusing on just that one part? I said, all these other awful things. Do you not care about <laughs> homeless people?
2: Do you, <laughs> you care about the
5: blood of your friends? Like, why do, you, why do you only care about that part? So back and forth for like, I don't know, like eight or 10 hours or whatever. Like, every so often I check my phone and I have like three hate tweets from him, like all in caps, like... <laughs> I'm unfollowing you. You're a worthless piece. And I'm like, did you ever check my bio where it says, like, don't ever read this if you have, like, a problem with things that I say?
4: Um, guys, just go to uh, Man Pants Borgata on Twitter. Um, there's actually <laughs> a Man Pants account um, at Man Pants Borgata. I'm sure some great
5: things will be coming out of that. So was at um, ManPants taken? Yes. By a metrosexual. Clothing company or didn't
4: even, didn't even search. I just tried to come up with something else.
5: Yeah, I
4: searched. I searched man
5: pants and nothing came
4: up. Man oh, pants. I'm there. ManPants <laughs> I just followed you, Diego.
1: <laughs> not, I don't see any.
0: I can't wait. I can't wait to see this account blow up. I'm on there right now. <laughs> Scott Manjean. Awesome.
5: We have to contact Scott Manjean. He is at man pants with five followers and five <laughs> following. And he's following Jim Rome, so clearly it's a wasted Twitter
2: account. He
1: doesn't know what he has on his hands here. I know, that's ridiculous. The <laughs> amount of money he can sell his Twitter account for is just unprecedented. I, I will offer him $3 if
0: he's
4: listening to the podcast.
0: I, I, love uh, the, I love that I love Man Pants Borgata has one tweet, and that is, sometimes I put my man pants on and call with 3-3. Three three. <laughs> Hashtag TPH. <laughs> oh,
5: that's great. You just have to post, okay. like... uh I think you should just like Google a couple quotes, like famous quotes that have the word pants in them and then just
2: tweet those like
5: (laughs) two or three times a week. Like don't overdo it. Like the like bad luck Brian Twitter accounts and things like that where they like they tweet one joke and then five sponsored ads. Not already sponsorship deals, but just like once or twice a week. Like there was a account I followed for a while. It was like um, the Helen Keller or like real Helen Keller and just not Every day, like once a week, it would just tweet like, "You would find, find that on your timeline and just like, ah, my Wednesday's better. Thank you, the, the
1: best, the best fake account is um, the, the the uncle from uh, Breaking Bad. Does it, are you guys? Do you guys watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, Hector Salamanca. Really? So, H- there's a guy who just tweets bing, 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 bing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Every
1: once in a while, it's just your timeline and you just lose it. It's great.
5: <laughs> I, uh, I used well, I do still. I followed Shane Schlager on Twitter for a long time, and he used to actually kind of annoy me. He would retweet. Yeah.
1: Um, many funky, whatever, funk. Yeah, not that.
5: Like it was, that too, but he retweeted a bunch of times. He retweeted uh, Big Ben's clock. Uh, Big Ben, and it would just say bong, bong, bong. So I was railing one of his tournaments, like first time I went to w s l. p c or WSOP, and I was just like, I didn't know what to say to him, and he kind of like made eye contact with me on the rail, and I just went, I just blurted it. I'm like, bong, bong, bong. Did he laugh? I hope he's actually a really cool dude. He like, you know, was like, oh, you follow me on Twitter? What's your name? I'll follow you. Blah blah blah. Like, I thought like he would just be like, who is this weirdo? <laughs> 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 like,
2: bong, 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 bong. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's epic! Yeah. yeah, cool. All right, we've rambled on enough. Let's wrap this up. Uh, thanks again, Chris. We really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, have you back anytime. Thank you, John. Much appreciated.
4: Yeah, whatever. <laughs>
0: and we'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back to wrap things up here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the TPE Podcast. I want to thank Chris and Sean for stopping in for our strategy discussion today. Enjoyed, uh enjoyed chatting with and meeting Chris. seems like a really good guy. Yeah,
2: that
1: was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, like I said in, in his um, you know, his sort of bio, his, his interview with him, Gaia has a lot of varied interests, and I, and I think that's, that you, he, he definitely is a super intelligent guy, and you could see that in the way he thinks about the hands. Um, yeah. those hands. It was a lot of fun talking to, talking to one hands with him.
0: Yeah, I thought it was cool. He seems like um he just seems like he's got a lot going on, but he's also a very
1: together yeah.
0: kind of guy. Like he kinda you know, very good at sort of keeping his priorities straight yep. and, and balancing poker versus life versus school versus work, you know, that kind of thing. So
2: definitely good, good transition
0: um, to the team, I think. I really- yeah, yeah, I think I think members are, are gonna enjoy having him on board. Um and, it, and you know, and it, it was kind of cool to hear his perspective too. And <clears throat> excuse me, and to have Sean on the call because you know both those guys have played a, a pretty decent amount of live poker. So it was kind of good that you had those those hands to kind of bring to the table because I think they both brought a unique perspective to it.
1: Yep, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And
0: I thought, um, I, I, I especially, I, I just kind of like. I think this actually, I think this actually kind of came up in the last podcast as well, and it, it's sort of driving it home for me, but. You know, he he's another guy who wasn't just thinking about, like, should I see bet? It was much more, like, thinking way ahead. Yeah. Like, if I see bet, what am I going to do on the turn? What am I going to do on the river? And specifically thinking about bet sizing to set up, like, the right size turn bet and the right size river bet. And it's just something I don't do nearly enough of. And I i gotta, I gotta, have to sort of learn somehow to, uh, to be competent yeah. at that because I just don't know that I'm doing a good enough job at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Like... That was if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play that hand the way I played it I have to commit to it and you can't like that's the worst thing you do is give up on the river it really is because you just kill you're killing your stack you're killing your equity but um, you know I did have my questions there about preserving my tournament life but it's just you have to be able to think ahead if you don't want to put yourself in that spot then then you can't play the the flop and the turn the way you played it you know you have to think those multiple streets ahead you have to. Yeah, and I think your I think your
0: questions and your concerns about your tur- your tournament life are legitimate. But I think as Chris put it perfectly, like if that's your concern, then don't play the hand yep. that way. Yep. You know.
1: Yep. Uh, and especially live, you have to really you know, you know it's different. You're not sitting in your chair. You you know you're not thinking. You know you're, not, you're you're in the middle. You don't you don't you have everyone staring at you. You, <laughs> you right. Know, you have or or you know. You, you know, things move faster. On, you know, sometimes they move faster than you move too fast or you don't know, take enough time in between thoughts. So you have to really, like, make sure that you pay attention and adhere to that when you're playing live. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and obviously, to go along with the bed sizing thing, it's not, you know, th- there's no display in front of you saying how much is in the pot. Right, so you can't right. quickly do the math. Or you kind of have to figure out, like, okay, if I bet this much, it's going to be that. And then, you know, not, not as easy as it, as it probably is online. So, yeah, great. So, but yeah, definitely really good conversation. So, thanks again for to those guys for uh, for stopping in. Always appreciated. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what is
1: going on at TPE. Yeah, so Chris's um, Chris's is Chris's series is going on. I don't think we actually mentioned the title of it. It's the intro intro to meta adjustments. So he talks about sort of that you know I know that he knows that I know situation over Mm -hmm. three hands, and it's a theory video. Um, He talks theoretically how you should you know structure your thought process. Um, for situations like that, um, really, you know, deep, detailed, um, highly rated stuff. Um, really enjoying that series. Uh, Hurricane Jeff is running a mixed stakes live sweat right now. Um, we just concluded a series from uh, the Big Dog and from our first bracelet winner, uh, TP's first bracelet winner. He didn't win a bracelet with TP, but um, Justin Peachy, who is Lucial online. Um, he won a bracelet last year. Um, he did a hand history review of the Big 22. Um, super high ratings. I think his first part had a little bit lower because I think it either maybe he was just getting comfortable doing videos or his the hands were not that interesting, but parts two through five were all in the high nines, um, and people yeah. love those videos. So those are going really well. Um, and we have a series coming up. Um, the next series that's coming out is the return of uh, Dan Witcher, Bourbon for the Win. Uh, he's doing a Sunday replay review um, where he watches the replay of the Sunday Million um, in the PokerStars lobby. They, you know, they, they they have that up, and you can watch the final table replay. And and I, I think Ween and I did this a couple times um, back a long time ago, where he, yeah. he basically follows the the play at the at the final table and talks about, you know, with all whole cards revealed how each player is playing and, and what people should be thinking. So I love series like that. I think this is going to be a really good one, and people love his videos. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking
0: forward to it. We haven't done one of those in a while, and I, I always enjoyed those when you guys did them back in the day. So I'm, I'm, I, I think it's kind of cool, and hopefully that's something we can bring back on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't want to do it with every single week's Sunday Million, but we'll break them out on occasion because I think they are cool.
1: Absolutely. And um, and then at the same time, uh, we'll be also running Mike Leah is back um, with a mixed games series. So he's a five-parter, one for five different games. So he cover, covers two to seven triple draw, stud high, raz, and, you know, amongst other um, other games. And so we'll do a one, he's doing one video on each type of mixed game, um, which is yeah. cool. So because we got a lot of requests for that, a lot of requests. Yep.
0: A lot of people have been asking for, uh, you know, non-hold'em games. Yep. So it'll definitely be cool to uh... – To kind of give people a primer on all those. Absolutely.
1: So – and then a couple good articles. Um, You yourself wrote a great article um, on – what was the title? Good Players Copy, Great Players Steal. Um, Yep. So that – look at you, 10 out of 10.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It (laughs) was just – yeah.
0: And I don't think it was just like some crazy like – inspirational thing, but it was just something I was thinking about when I was reading, actually reading some comments on videos and stuff where people are like, kind of like, eh, this, isn't, this video's not for me or, you know, got bored and this one and turned it off or whatever. And it's like, well, maybe that's, you know, maybe you should have stuck with it a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> because you, I think you can find something from everybody right. that you can implement in your game even if it's not your style. Because, Like I said in the article, I've sat and watched people play poker and said I could never play as aggressively as that guy because I'm, you know, I'm famously the nit. Um, but the idea is not that you should have to play as aggressively as those guys. It's that maybe you can steal one little inkling of something they do right. and implement it into your game. You know, right? So, exactly. exactly.
1: Um, but yeah, I
0: thought you know, uh, I, I was glad people liked it. So.
1: Yeah, no, definitely great reviews. And and, uh, and Chris has an article um, out right now, uh, a look at real life leaks. Um, I know he's writing another article, which should be out – was that coming out tomorrow? or? Yeah,
0: actually, I think by the time most people are hearing this – some people might hear it before, but by the time most people are hearing it, that will be up on the site. Um, it's actually – it's called selling yourself, selling yourself Short, Why Chip EV is Overrated, um, and it's just kind of a discussion on Chip EV versus Tournament EV <laughs> – and some of the strategy implications of that. So it's kind of, it goes along with what we were just talking about. Yeah. And um, yeah, pretty good timing. So yeah, like I said, that, that will probably be up when most people are hearing this. So head over to the site. It's uh, it's free to check out. So yeah.
1: And the article is a month, is a month old, but um, I think this is probably our most popular article of all is um, Jamie Kerstetter's exploitable behavior patterns in live MTT players. Yeah. I, I can't even tell you because we check the stats every day and see where people are coming in from. And, that is a hugely popular article. Um, people love it. A lot of comments on it. High ratings. So check that out too.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's been some good stuff from a lot of uh, a lot of new pros and old pros alike. So yep. if you haven't been to the site lately, mm-hmm. to check out some of the new material, now is the time. Absolutely. Cool. Right on. All right. Well, let's wrap things up. Uh, Like I said, do you want to thank the guys for stopping in, uh, Sean and Chris? And um, I also just wanted to wrap up by saying that uh, last episode we did promise that we'd go over a couple more of the submitted hands from the forums, and I guarantee you we will. uh, but we had the opportunity with uh, with Chris and and Sean on the podcast to talk about a couple of live hands, and of course we had just gotten back from AC, so we wanted to cover those. But uh, we will get to some of those submitted hands on the next podcast, including the infamous Jamie Gold hand that was discussed in the forum. So we'll uh, we'll get those covered very very soon. We promise absolutely. So that's it and uh, thanks as always for listening and we will see you guys next time on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast see ya
3: one heads up a- Oh, gambling is fun when you're with me. I love it. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's loving, it's not rough, it isn't fine. fun. fun.